Um, last time we talked about the three wars that, are, that you could find in Joel chapter 2. And this time we're looking at Joel's prophecy and uh, we're going to read all the verses and I think you'll, you'll find that they sound familiar to you. You've read them in the New Testament. Verse 28, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. You're used to hearing it, shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. All right, so does that sound familiar? This is the Pentecost uh, passage of Scripture. This is the prophecy given by Joel that's quoted by Peter, which we just happened to be studying in Sunday school. Isn't it nice how that worked out? Um, We're studying the two of them together. Now, this was quoted in Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost, and Peter was preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and he was preaching the second coming of Christ. Um, So he quotes this, and when he does, in Acts chapter 2, he says, This is that which Joel prophesied. He didn't say that this is the complete fulfillment of Joel's prophecy, but he says this is that in the sense of what you're seeing here is like what Joel had said in his prophecy. It shall come to pass afterward, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh because Peter was trying to explain to everybody what's going on and they saw everybody talking in tongues and and it looked funny to them, and they said they must be drunk on new wine, and they were making fun of them. And Peter said, no, this is the outpouring of the Spirit that was prophesied with accompanying signs of speaking in tongues, which were known languages. So everybody that came in from different parts of the world speaking different languages, all could hear the wonderful works of God in their own language miraculously through these uh, tongues that the disciples were speaking. But you know... Because Peter quotes verse 28 through 32 at Pentecost, there are some who assume that Acts 2 was the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy, and that is not the case. It was not the fulfillment. It was a partial fulfillment, but none of these things happened on the day of Pentecost. If you'll notice, we'll just kind of skim over this real quick again. His his spirit was not poured out on all flesh. (laughs) Far from it. Only 3,000 of, could be millions, that were there to observe that feast and that holiday, Pentecost. 50 days after Passover, right? So only 3,000, and it wasn't even the disciples that spoke in tongues, it was the, I mean, it wasn't even the disciples that got it 
It was the 3,000, and it wasn't everybody. So it wasn't all flesh. You say, well, who was it then, or, or, or why, why wasn't it all flesh? Well, because it's not meant to be fulfilled yet. Now, it says all flesh, and it's going to be all flesh one of these days. It will be, but just not on the day of Pentecost. There are some who say that, yes, the Spirit is poured out on all flesh in the sense of all could receive the promise of the Father. If they would just get saved, they could receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit too. So it's upon all flesh, but no, that doesn't quite cut it. Okay, so that did not happen. The Spirit was not poured out upon all flesh. Um, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Now, that didn't happen. Not in the sense of all flesh. Okay? That was on a, on a very small scale. Let's keep on going. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids. What he's saying here is that the Spirit is going to be poured out, and it doesn't matter, young or old, it doesn't matter your station in life, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're at the top of the ladder or at the bottom, uh, the, the Spirit is going to be poured out with no discrimination. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth blood and fire and pillars of smoke. That didn't happen on the day of Pentecost. Now, you're able to see that a little bit more clearly, right? That didn't happen. There were no signs in the heavens. The sun shall be turned into darkness. That didn't happen. The moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. It shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Now, <clears throat> that is taken by Paul and applied to New Testament salvation. But nobody in Acts chapter 2 was saved according to the gospel of the grace of God, New Testament salvation. That didn't happen either. These are fine details that we gloss over and we don't see unless we study the Bible closely. Now, they were delivered. Paul or Peter said, save yourself from this untoward generation, this wicked generation. Save yourself. What did that mean? We studied that in Sunday school if you were there for that. That meant God was going to judge all of the Jews because they said, his blood be upon us and upon our children. We have no king but Caesar. Therefore, God's judgment was coming, and it came in 70 A.D. Millions. It was horrible. It was horrific what happened to the Jews at the hands of the Romans in 70 A.D. Just read about it. Read Josephus. And it was terrible. <clears throat> well, Peter says, those of you who repent this day and are baptized in the name of Jesus can save yourselves from this untoward generation. Because the rest of them, when they die, whoever doesn't repent, when they die, they're going to be judged for killing their Messiah. That's what Peter was talking about. Save yourself from this generation that killed the Messiah so that you won't be judged. So 3,000 people said, I repent. I know his blood is on my hands and I repent. I want it cleansed. I want it washed off. Okay? So Paul uses this, and he applies it in a way that is not even doctrinal. It's not doctrinal what Paul does for the New Testament Christian, but it works. 
If you'll call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. All right, let's pass on. Just keep that in mind. What I said right there was rock solid. That is straight, clear, plain Bible truth, what I just said. Okay, now look. For in Mount Zion, and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance. You see why I'm saying this did not happen on Acts chapter 2? Some people say, yes, our deliverance comes. Uh, the word deliverance means salvation. It's the same thing. What is salvation? Salvation is deliverance. Being delivered from the penalty of your sins. Deliverance does, does not happen for you and for me in Jerusalem, in Mount Zion. You say, what do you mean? Jesus didn't die in Jerusalem. Some people say that's Calvary. That's where our deliverance comes from, Calvary, right? Well, you study the book of Hebrews and you find out he was crucified outside the gate and outside the city. Our deliverance does not come in Jerusalem. <laughs> That's where Jesus was condemned. Our deliverance comes outside of the gate. And you are told, brother and sister, to suffer with Jesus outside the gate. That means to be an outsider. If, if you want to please men, you can't be a servant of God. But if you want to please God, you won't always be able to please men. But your deliverance comes from outside of Jerusalem. This deliverance comes from inside of Jerusalem, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Okay? Now, I started off with the negative um, for a reason, for a good reason. When, when you teach the Bible uh, on an adult level, you have to talk about, you have to show people things that are different. You have to give them the negative. You start out by saying, this is what it does not mean. And then tell them what it does mean. That's good Bible teaching. So I gave you the negative, what it does not mean. None of these things, I mean, the only thing that happened on the day of Pentecost was the Spirit poured out, but not upon all flesh. But Peter, he says, this is that, in the sense of this is like that what Joel prophesied. Okay, now when do these things happen? Because they didn't happen at Pentecost. When do they happen? Well, look at Zechariah. Let's go on a journey through the Bible. So Zechariah is right before Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. And uh, these are probably, probably the sword drills uh, next Saturday or the Saturday after this coming, the sword drills will not involve Zechariah, I doubt, but it's right before Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 12. Let's let the Bible show us when these things are going to happen, and then we'll come back to Joel and then put them in the right setting. Okay, so Zechariah chapter 12, if you make notes in your Bible, you could just write the Battle of Armageddon. That's what that chapter is about, Zechariah chapter 12. And if you look at chapter 12 and verse 10, chapter 12 and verse 10, And I will pour upon the house of David <clears throat> and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. So who's going to get the spirit poured out upon them? The house of David. In the inhabitants of Jerusalem. 
What does it mean to be an inhabitant? It means to habitate in, right? To dwell in. So the people in Jerusalem um, and the house of David, who's that? That's the lineage or bloodline or descendants of David. The spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. In that day shall there be a great mourning in Jerusalem as the mourning of those words. <laughs> I can't read them. I, I don't. You take a take a shot at it if you want to. Hadadramon, I, I suppose that's probably close to being right. The Valley of Megiddo. Now, when Jesus Christ comes back, and he comes back and he conquers Israel's enemies, there's going to be a period of mourning for all the Jews that were saved out of great tribulation. Those that were saved out of it—that's the remnant. The, the leftovers of Israel that will be saved, they're going to they're gonna spend a period of time in mourning, <laughs> realizing that Jesus was our Messiah and we pierced his hands, we pierced his feet, we pierced his side. His brow was pierced with thorns. So in the uh, Jewish culture... Uh, like a funeral lasted for a long time. It wasn't just a little 30 or 45 minute ordeal. It was a long time of mourning. And so they're going to spend a period of time <clears throat> after the Lord comes back. I don't know how long it lasts, but that's one of the things that happens after the Lord comes back before he sets up his earthly kingdom. Now, <clears throat> that's one of them. Look at chapter 13, verse 1 of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 1. In that day there shall be a fountain opened to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. What's that fountain? That's Calvary. Calvary is going to cover those sins, the blood of Jesus Christ. The same fountain that the book of Hebrews talks about that washes us from our sins. Calvary paid for sins, you know, B.C., and it pays for sins A.D. If it pays for the sins of the Jews after the Great Tribulation, that means it's going to pay for all of your sins for your entire life and, and on to whoever comes after you. All the way up to the Tribulation, it's going to cover all. But it shall come to pass in that day, what day? When the Lord comes back. Saith the Lord of hosts that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land, and they shall no more be remembered, and I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. Okay. Now, in, in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, he says, And it shall come to pass afterward. Afterward. What does that mean? Okay. Let's keep going. Luke 21. It shall come to pass afterward. What does that mean? It means after the tribulation. After the tribulation. So Luke and chapter 21. When are these things going to take place? 
that we read about in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. If they did not take place on the day of Pentecost, then when do they take place? Afterward, after the tribulation, after the tribulation when the Lord comes back, okay? Joel, or Luke chapter 21 and verse 11. Luke 21 and verse 11. So what I did so far is I stated the negatives um, to sort of un- unlearn things that were maybe uh, maybe you believed that weren't true uh, or to debunk. You hear people talking about debunking things. I tried to debunk it first. Now we're comparing scripture with scripture to show you what actually is the correct interpretation because that's the way you find it. Luke 21 verse 11. Okay, it says there, and great earthquakes, now this is our Lord preaching, shall be in diverse places and famines and pestilences and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven, like the sun being darkened and the moon turned to blood. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into Prisons being brought before kings and rulers for my namesake. Persecution. Okay. Now, go to Revelation chapter 16. Jesus is saying there's going to be signs that come, but you're going to be persecuted first. That's what he said in Luke's gospel. You're going to be persecuted first. Now, Revelation chapter 16. Okay, while you're trying to find Revelation chapter 16, while we're turning there, if you've been with us so far in the, in the Bible teaching, you know now that when Jesus was preaching and teaching during his earthly ministry, he was not talking to Gentiles. He was talking just to Jews. Okay, so when Jesus said they're going to persecute you in the synagogues, you and I don't go to synagogues. Okay, he's talking to Jews, and it's not us. So we read the Bible like the whole thing applies to us, and it just, you can't do that. So Revelation chapter 16, you know why he started telling them that that was going to happen? Because he's God, and he knows all things. He knows that they're going to turn against him and turn him over to Rome to be killed, and he knows that they're going to be punished. But... He also knows that they're going to be restored and reborn as a nation, you know, and, and they will be God's people. They'll be forgiven, filled with the Spirit and all that stuff. So, Revelation chapter 16, verse 8. Okay, it says here, And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun. Power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. Now, this is during the tribulation. This is another account of God's plan in the tribulation and his environmental plan, somebody said. And they're going to be scorched with the sun. Now, I got out today, and I push mowed first. I I do push mowing, and I kind of basically trim around things with my push mower. And I just know spots on the hill that I'm, I got a zero turn, and it doesn't have like a roll cage or anything like that or a roll bar. And I don't want to, you know, end up on my head and, you know, you guys be looking for a new pastor and stuff. 
So I push mow some of that stuff on the real steep banks. Um, but man, I got out there and I tried to get out there early, but I was, I was uh, dehydrated, dizzy. And, but I did that first because I knew I could just sit down on the, you know, it's easy. I can sit down with zero turns like taking a break. So um, that was hot today. This is only 90 degree weather. I've been in Georgia heat where it's like 110 and that's what it feels like in the shade. But nothing like what it's talking about here. The, the sun is going to scorch men. And look what they're going to do. The men are going to start cursing God. Verse 9. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. Isn't that incredible? That's the depths of depravity and sin that a man still would not repent. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdoms was full of darkness. So now there's darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain. They're in pain. They're in darkness. Those are the signs that Joel talked about in Joel chapter 2. Now look at Revelation chapter 6. When are these things occurring? During the tribulation period. Who does it involve? The Jews. Uh, Revelation chapter 6 and uh, verse 12. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. So there's a cataclysmic, I can't even think of the word, cataclysmic uh, judgment. Heaven departed as a scroll when it's rolled together and every mountain and island was moved out of their places. That's when the kings of the earth and the great men are going to hide themselves and they want the mountains and the rocks to fall on them and kill them because, the end of verse 16, hide them from the wrath of the Lamb. For great, for the great day of his wrath has come and who shall be able to stand? It'll be so bad in the tribulation that it says in one place, if God didn't cut it short... No one would survive. Everyone would die. So now let's finish our little uh, little walkabout through the Bible in Matthew 24, verse 29. Then we'll come back to Joel. Matthew 24. And what I'd like you to see is when, when Jesus is preaching and saying these things in Luke's gospel and in Matthew's gospel, He's, he's saying the same things that you find in the book of Revelation and in the book of Joel. So what should that tell us? Yeah, 
So let, that's a good way right there of what, uh, what he said. God's dealing with the Jews in the Gospels. He's dealing with the Jews. One time, Jesus told his disciples, don't go into the way of the Gentiles. Don't even go preach to the Samaritans. Yeah, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And that's not us. So he was dealing with the Jews in the Gospels and even in the greater part of the book of Acts until he turns to Paul's ministry. The book of Acts is like Peter, Peter, Peter for a long time. And then all of a sudden, Paul, 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 because God now is turned to the Gentiles. Three times in the book of Acts, God says, I'm turning to the Gentiles, turning to the Gentiles, turning to the Gentiles. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll explain kind of the, the finer points of that in just a minute, but that's, that's right. <clears throat> so let's uh, go to Matthew and Matthew 24. So uh, Matthew 24 and 25 is Jesus basically laying out the judgments of the wrath of the Lamb, and he's telling the Jews what to do in the, in the tribulation period, Matthew 24 and 25. So uh, it's all dealing with that in his second advent. So Matthew 24 and verse 29, okay, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Okay, so we're at the end of the tribulation. Then you see these great celestial signs. Okay? They accompany the return of the Lord. So you see these signs, and then you see this sign that it's talking about here, and I don't know what it is, and I don't know anybody who really does know for sure, but it's probably somewhere in the Bible. There's this sign in heaven, and then the Lord comes down, and we're riding behind him, and they see him, they look upon him whom they have pierced, either when he's coming down or when he comes down into Jerusalem. Uh, but he comes down, he comes down to the valley of uh, of uh, Megiddo, which is probably the Valley of Kidron, east of Jerusalem, and there at this, uh, the Valley of Jehoshaphat, I'm sorry, which means Jehovah is judge, he comes down and he conquers Israel's enemies. The blood flows up to the bit of the bridle, and after putting down all of their enemies, then he deals with his people. Then they realize, they see the scars, the prince, and uh, they realize, and they mourn. So you have signs, the return, and then mourning, okay? So he says, uh, verse 30, And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That's the wrath of the Lamb, saying, Hide in the mountains, and I hope the rocks fall on me, and hide me from the wrath of the Lamb. They realize, man, we have blown it. We had it all wrong. CBS, NBC, ABC, History Channel, everybody. You turn on the television, it's wrong. All of it's wrong. I'm not saying throw your television out. I'm just saying, if you're going to let your kids watch some of that stuff, I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but teach them. Show them what's wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, the shootings in the schools, that's what that tells me. 
Okay, well now let's come back to Joel 2. So now that I said all that and read all that scripture, uh, let's come back to Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. Okay. So Joel chapter 2 verse 28, it shall come to pass afterward. After what? Because that's an important word right there. We need to know, we need to nail down what that means. After what? Well, verse 27, the Lord in the midst of Israel, that's Jesus in Jerusalem, in the flesh, in his glorified body, the God-man, with the prince in his hands and in his feet. He's in the midst, and they'll know that he is the Lord their God. Okay, so after he returns, shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit. You say, when does the spirit get poured out on all flesh? When Jesus comes back. It's what he does to make the millennial kingdom. They'll all be converted to him. The, the heart of flesh, or the stone, will be taken out. They'll be given a heart of flesh. They will be converted to God. They will obey the law. They will worship God. All, all the remnant of Israel shall be saved. They will be converted and changed. All of the world, the, the Spirit will be poured out on at least all of Israel, but it looks like all flesh, all of the world, they'll be changed. Now at the end of the kingdom, there are people who rise up against, against Jesus and and these are, yeah, and these are people who were born of, you know, born during the kingdom. And they were born because these people, although they are converted and restored to God, the sinful nature is not gone. The sinful nature is still there in our flesh. That won't be gone until the new heavens and the new earth. Then that will be gone. So because they have sinful nature, their children that they have are still unclean, still sinners, Natural born sinners, just like me and you. Okay, Joel 2, verse 28. When will the Spirit be poured out upon all flesh, sons and daughters, old men, young men, dreams and visions, servants, handmaids? When will that happen? When the Lord comes back. And it won't just be 3,000. It'll be all of them. And I will show wonders in the heavens. Now, these are the signs that accompany his his uh, descent, his second coming, those signs accompany it, just like we read about at the end of the tribulation. That's when those things happen. And verse 32, it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Delivered from what? The wrath of the Lamb. But there'll be men who are so hardened that even though they're scorched by the sun... And even though they see the Lord coming back, the Lord of glory, they just say, just, I just hope the rocks fall on me, but I'll curse that God. I'll die rather than repent. You see that now? It's so clear. That did not happen on the day of Pentecost. But what did happen on the day of Pentecost is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is available to everyone who will call on the name of the Lord and be saved. And, but it's not all of Jerusalem and all of Israel, you know what I'm saying, the house of David. It's not all that. Not yet. Right now, you'll find it uh, very, very hard 
to lead a Jewish person to salvation in Jesus Christ. So um, we'll, we'll wrap it up here. But Beth uh, used to work down at Panera Bread when she was in Pen- uh, Pensacola, Florida. And she uh, loved working there because you got to eat the food afterwards. You know, that was free. So um, great food. And she'd take that home every day. And they always sent a whole bunch of their leftovers and stuff. Rather than throwing it in the dumpster, they'd send it to the Bible Institute, to the students, and give them all that stuff. Um, But while working at Panera, she ran into some Jewish customers. And when she was, she'd try to witness to them, like not when she was on duty, but, you know, she she got to know these people. And so she would witness to them before or after she was off her ship. And she found it hard to do that. And so she knew a preacher who had been a pastor up in New York City and had been around a lot of Jews up there. And she said, what, give me some ammunition. What can I say to these people? Because they're so hard and they just make fun of the gospel and what I believe and stuff. And he said uh, to her, uh, Brother uh, Militello, can't remember his first name. He said to her, you say to that Jew, where's your sacrifice? On the day of atonement, where's your temple to make the sacrifice? Yep. And they have to say, I don't have a sacrifice. They, they, some people, some of them sacrifice chickens, which is silly. But they don't have a sacrifice. And so you say to them, okay, well, how do you atone for your sins? And so they say, God knows our heart, knows the desire of our heart, and knows that we would like to make a sacrifice if we could make a sacrifice. So instead, God tells us that if we do good things, that those things will atone because of the desire of our heart to have an atonement to cover for our sins, and it's work salvation. Yeah. Just like what they said to Jesus. Yeah. So um, so we finished up chapter 2, and I think we're just going to stop there and actually stop a little bit early tonight. But in, in chapter 3, for behold, in those days and in that time, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, that's at the second coming of Christ, Israel will be regathered to Palestine. It'll be done through the angels. And they're regathered there, and all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And those who didn't, those who didn't survive the tribulation period, they died lost. And they'll be a part of the wicked dead that's brought up at the great white throne judgment. And then there's other things that the Lord does, but... Uh, we'll stop there tonight. Are there any questions about that? I know it's really heavy. I better say this before we before we close. Okay, so we said, and I did this when I taught uh, a, a class on eschatology. I, I went like this. I said, go to the book of Revelation. Don't don't do this right now, but go to the book of Revelation at about chapter the end of chapter three, and then go to. Uh, Basically, the book of Acts, right where the first person gets saved, uh, like us, and that's the uh, Ethiopian eunuch, first one to understand the atonement of Christ's sacrifice. And I said, right there, yeah, well, even, even, even Hebrews and James, you can find things that agree with Paul's doctrine. But, and I kind of explained some of those details to him, but I said, that right there is us. Yeah, and then all of this, all of this is the Jews and the nation of Israel. 
even yeah yeah but see you got to explain yourself when you say something like that doctrinally doctrinally all of that is the Jews now devotionally I, I find devotional things all the time when I read the Bible I read some from the Old Testament some from the New Testament some from Proverbs some from Psalms and all of it just kind of God sometimes just brings it all together and I'm just blown away like wow the Lord just said so many things to me in my Bible reading it doesn't always happen but it all just kind of comes together it all it's all mine devotionally okay and it's all me it's all mine to understand historically I need to understand all of it the history and the Bible has something to say about everything science love you know, art music it's got something to say about everything but doctrinally you got to watch out yeah Jesus is in the whole Bible yeah but where you get in trouble is when you try to apply things doctrinally that don't go to you in other words God's dealing with the Jews in Joel chapter 2. God's dealing with you, you know, in Ephesians chapter 2. Yeah. But, but it's all, the Bible is in dispensational order, which is incredible, but that's a story for another time. Um, anyways, okay, so don't say Pastor John said that we don't have to read anything in our Bible, but, you know, <laughs> but this and that, it's, it's all for you, but it's not all to you, okay? And that, that right there could cause somebody to leave church because they don't totally understand it, okay? One example is endure to the end and you shall be saved. That's not for you. If you're in the tribulation now and you didn't get saved during the age of grace, that's for you. <laughs> but that's not for you now. You're not enduring to the end to be saved. You're trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah, okay, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time in the Word of God. Um, Lord, uh, I'm thankful again for these folks that are here and for the great privilege that it is to be able to stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord, and all uh, authority rests in your Word. And we, uh, being uh, Baptist or Baptistic believers, we believe in individual soul liberty and an individual responsibility to you and and lord we believe that we all have the the right and the responsibility to interpret the bible and study it for ourselves so help us to be good bereans to go home and to study these things see whether they're so and lord most of all i just thank you that uh that i got in on this thing and that you um opened up the gospel to the gentiles one of these days you're going to turn back to the jews and, uh, but their rejection of you has been the salvation of the world, and we're thankful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.